Chapter 29 Saoirse had never been in a crematorium before and didn't know what to expect. They had left the house and taken the ferry across the river, following the hearse. Saoirse rested her head against the window and watched the landscape whiz past her in the rain. Finding it hard to believe that this was all happening, it was all real, and her gran was gone. Sean sat beside her, holding her hand. Finally, as the sun broke weakly through the clouds, they turned left and onto a bridge that took them to a little island. The crematorium was nowhere to be seen, but large oak wooden doors built into the rock face opened as they pulled into a small car park and an elderly man with dark-rimmed glasses walked towards them. Frank, the manager, was a very welcoming man and explained that her grandmother had wanted no fuss or fanfare and had requested that the coffin be in place before the crowd arrived. Two men appeared behind Frank and helped the undertaker to lift the coffin from the back of the hearse. They placed it on a small silver trolley, then, turning it towards the entrance with almost military precision, the three men slowly wheeled the coffin into the darkness beyond the doors. Frank ushered them all after it. A hand-carved tunnel in the rock led them towards a bright light and Saoirse followed the cobbled path towards it, her hand still in Sean's. The short tunnel opened out into a dazzling bright courtyard which, like the tunnel, was carved from the rock. To her left there was a sheer rock face, in front of her a lone tree and bubbling water feature, and to her right a low limestone building built into the rock. Large oak sliding doors and glass windows lined the entire wall of the side. The overall effect was one of calming solitude. Beautiful, but strong. Saoirse saw why her grandmother had chosen this place. It had an otherworldly quality to it, and Frank had a glint in his eye that Saoirse read instantly as the look of a man who knew, and was far more than his parents showed. She hadn't realised that she was still and staring until Sean had jerked her forward towards the second last oak door into which the coffin had just disappeared. The small group moved somberly along, following Frank inside. Father Michael was waiting in the room beyond and greeted them warmly, shaking hands and kissing Saoirse and her mother softly on the cheek. Saoirse was distracted. Inside was as beautiful as outside. It was small with simple chairs laid out in uniform rows but the ceiling was magnificently vaulted in old red brick. Not something she had seen before, not in reality at least. It fell and rose in one perfectly formed dome. It was complemented by the muted colours of the large flagstones on the floor. Its only competition were the stained glass doors that were just opening to reveal the display shelf where they were about to place the coffin. The deep greens and vivid blues were captivating, a homage to the sea surrounding them outside. The room was breathtaking. The whole island was. It was so close to home, Saoirse couldn't believe that she had never known it had existed until now. 
it was a very fitting place to say goodbye to her wonderful grandmother. Saoirse let go of Sean's hand and slowly spun around, taking in every square inch of the place. Tranquil music played in the background and she caught snippets of whispered conversations going on around her. But she was mesmerised. It was just so beautiful and she felt as if her grandmother was there with her. You okay? His whisper was gentle, brushing her ear softly. I am. It's beautiful, isn't it? I just can't get over it. It's her. It's so her. She loved old things, maybe because she was one. They both smiled. Father Michael joined them, having just spoken to Frank and Saoirse's parents. He had his black suit on today, but no white collar, which Saoirse found a little strange considering it was a funeral. He looked so much younger without it. She must have been staring because he chuckled softly and answered her. I'm here as a friend today to say goodbye, not as a priest. Your grandmother asked specifically that there be no prayers or religious pomposity. So I reckon the collar was part of that. I had to wear the suit though, because I don't own another one. Well, at least I don't own another one that's not coloured. Frank is about to let everyone in. You both okay? Is there anything I can do for you before we start? There wasn't. And Saoirse and Sean took their seats in the front row next to Saoirse's parents. Kate's funeral had been a traumatic affair. Hordes of people, rivers of tears, echoes of sobs and wailing. This was far more upbeat. Frank opened the doors and one by one people filed in to pay their respects. Locals and strangers alike were quick to share anecdotes and say how wonderful it had been to know her. There was no wailing or sobbing. A few giggles and chuckles were more the style. Twenty minutes after the doors opened, Saoirse spotted a very tall and well-built man with a shock of red hair and a grisly beard. Rua. It had to be. His amber eyes were so familiar. He slouched into the room, bending his head as a mark of respect. Out of sync with the other mourners, he went to Saoirse's mom and dad first, and then to her. Sean winked at him, and Rua nodded. When he put his hand out to shake Saoirse's, she took his in both of hers and stood to hug him. He was clearly embarrassed by the gesture, and Saoirse's dad looked a little shocked, but it felt right. Feel like I know you, even though we're complete strangers. Thank you for being there for my grandmother and now for me. She whispered it softly in his ear, and as she did, his grip tightened. She heard him swallow a lump in his throat and felt one form in her own. He bent towards her ear and replied softly, Keep your wits about you today, love. I have a feeling he might pay a visit. He squeezed her softly and then released her, shuffling off to stand at the back of the congregation. Saoirse scanned the crowd and saw lots of faces she recognised and lots she didn't. These faces had new meaning now, hidden mysteries. How many were just her grandmother's acquaintances that she had never met? And how many of them were like Rua, amazing mythical creatures she had never thought existed? And was one of them him?
Sean touched her shoulder softly. They were about to begin. Father Michael welcomed everyone, introducing himself as Michael, a dear friend of Bavings. He explained that when she had found out this day was coming, she had asked him to do the service, but not to lose the run of himself like he was known to at Mass. He was to make it short and sweet. He was a man of his word, he explained, so it would be just that, short and hopefully sweet. A small man with strangely elfish features joined Michael at the small podium and was introduced as another old friend, Fionn. Saoirse thought it was funny that a few months ago her initial reaction to Fionn's appearance would have been one of disbelief and perhaps even pity. But strange and alien as his appearance was, she was beginning to accept her new world, one where everything and everyone is possible. From the pocket of his tweed jacket, Fionn pulled a wooden flute, a delicate, dark wooden instrument. Without introduction or comment, he placed it to his lips, closed his eyes and took a breath. The air filled with the most haunting, moving music Saoirse had ever heard. She knew the song all too well, The Lonesome Boatman, one of her grandmother's favourite pieces. She had told Saoirse the story of the lonesome boatman and his ship, Silent Annie, so many times. She had always been fascinated by it and loved to drift off into the music, imagining the boat and the adventures they had had. The music was captivating and as the flurries were building, Saoirse shivered violently. The hair stood on the back of her neck and an uneasy feeling settled at the pit of her stomach. She reached for Sean's hand and as she did so, a figure appeared in the hallway. A tall, dark man with a full beard and a heavy overcoat. She couldn't make out his features as he was silhouetted against the bright courtyard outside, but the feeling at the pit of her stomach told her she knew exactly who he was. It was him. She just hoped he didn't know who she was. He moved in from the doorway, head bowed, and moved towards the back. Saoirse heard a gasp, badly disguised as a cough, as someone further back recognised him too. Saoirse squeezed Sean's hand and gave him a knowing glare. She could tell he was lost in the music, so as subtly as she could, she leaned forward and whispered, He's here. Sean glared back at her in disbelief, and his grip tightened. She sensed his body moving closer to her to protect her, but she also saw a fear grip creep across his face. Neither of them knew who they were facing. Where? Back corner, I think. I just know it's him. Don't look, it'll be too obvious. He can't do anything right in front of all these people. She could see him fighting the instinct and to help combat it, he gripped her hand even tighter and stared ahead. The music stopped playing and Michael invited Saoirse's dad to the podium. He joked how his mother had always been too quick for him, even in her old age, particularly at cards, and how she was always outwitting him, even in death. He thanked her for being a wonderful mother and grandmother and then read the words she had left for him to read, joking that she was always putting words in his mouth. 
The piece was short, but had a massive emotional impact. She thanked the world for the wonderful life she had been given, the experiences she had had, and the joy she had felt being a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. Saoirse's mother was in bits, and her father left the podium to comfort her. Michael resumed his place and continued with the service, but Saoirse didn't hear a word of it. She was too distracted. Why was he here? What did he know? Was she in danger? What could he really do to her? She was brought back to her senses as the stained glass doors in front of her began to close and the coffin retreated. Michael was finishing up and inviting the congregation back to the Titanic bar for rest for refreshments. Then her grandmother's favourite song was played, an old tune that Saoirse had never been able to name. The electronic hum of the gates added to the melody and the whole thing was over before she knew it. People began to file out and others who had been late queued up to pay their condolences. Sean shot up at the first opportunity and, through an over-exaggerated stretch, she saw him scan the crowd. Rua was quick to join him and they left the hall together, getting lost in the departing crowd. Saoirse was left sitting directly in front of the closed stained glass windows. She could see the coffin still on the shelf inside them. The crowd dwindled and in the end it was just Saoirse and her parents. None of them were sure what to do next. Saoirse's mother decided to go off in search of Frank and her dad moved up a seat and into the one her mother had just vacated. Hard to believe this is it. And that's her. It just all seems so sudden. But I suppose we just have to get on with it. Saoirse felt he was trying to convince himself more than he was trying to convince her. She took his hand and held it tightly. God, she loved her dad. Who was the red-headed guy? The confusion, sadness and uncertainty were gone. There was conviction in the question and she knew she had to answer him. Rua, he's one of Gran's friends. Friends or friends? Friends, she arranged that he keep an eye on me until we know I'm safe. She wasn't sure whether she should explain that he was usually a fox that kept watch at her, of her overnight, or that he and Sean had just taken off after the guy they thought, maybe trying to harm her. There were far too many ifs and maybes, but knowing someone was looking out for her might just be enough. He's the fox, right? Saoirse looked at him in shock. That hair, those eyes, I'd know them anywhere. Perhaps she wasn't giving her father half enough credit. After all, all he, he was his mother's offspring. There must be a little of the fairy in him too. He squeezed her hand and pulled her close. Frank appeared through a small door in front of them. Saoirse hadn't noticed it before as the gates had covered it and he removed his glasses and Saoirse confirmed her earlier suspicions, seeing the twinkle in his eye. He winked at her recognition and beckoned for them to follow him. Saoirse's mother joined them on the other side of the wall and she took her hand as Frank busied himself with several buttons on the wall. The coffin that sat on the shelf outside was also visible from here and Frank manoeuvred it 
so that it slid effortlessly from the shelf onto a trolley, clunked down onto the metal and echoed as if it was empty. Saoirse's eyes widened in surprise. She looked to Frank for answers. Oh, it doesn't always sound like that, but she was such a slip of a thing. Nothing left when you take the soul away. He continued to push buttons and pull levers, explaining what each one was as he did so. Finally, the coffin was loaded into the single furnace and the hatch closed. She asked that you were here when I started it up. She wanted you to see it was all over, that she was actually gone. He was looking directly at Saoirse as he said this. It was a message especially for her. He pressed the button and they heard the furnace roar into action. Frank led them back through the now empty service area and into his small office beyond it. It had the same vaulted ceiling and red bricked walls and flagstones with a large writing desk and a comfortable couch. The walls were lined with specimen urns as proudly displayed in the glass cabinets. He motioned for Saoirse and her mum to take a seat and then courteously and professionally went through the paperwork with her dad. It didn't take long. Her grandmother had been very organised and in no time at all Frank was shaking their hands and telling them he would see them on Monday for the collection. He was showing them out through the courtyard when he took Saoirse's hand gently and slipped a cream envelope into it. Her name was written beautifully in her grandmother's handwriting across the front. Some more instructions. He winked and was gone. Sean was waiting alone in the car park, casually draped across the boot, looking strong and handsome. It was only now Saoirse spotted that he was wearing the same black suit he had worn to Kate's funeral, but he looked far more relaxed and handsome in it today. When he saw them coming, he jumped up and came towards them. Roa followed our guy to see what he's up to or where he's off to and to make sure he's not planning on joining the wake. Just got a text message there to say he's headed up the Dublin road. Maybe he's seen enough and you're in the clear. Strangely, Saoirse was disappointed. All that fuss, the sacrifice, heartache, it was all for nothing. Where was the danger her grandmother had feared? Where was the adventure? She felt a little cheated. But at least they were all safe now. The road trip was the last step and because he had come and gone, Saoirse rested easy in the knowledge that the only danger she had to worry about now was her desire to kiss Sean. But perhaps that was the worst danger of all. She didn't know if she could contain herself much longer, especially when they were finally 